It is Thursday. It's February 29. Would you believe February 29? That is the last day of summer. They're going to be a stinker today, though, pup, in Sydney town at least. Yeah, it's warm, you know. Lids beach, off, mate. Beach afternoon. Lids off, sunscreen on. Oh, yeah, don't forget your sunscreen. But, yeah, it's uh, – oh, my little girl's got tennis. That's going to be stinking hot, but it might be pick up from tennis straight to the beach, bit of salt water, good for the skin. And then, yeah. Do your best at night time, trying to sleep. That's it. Aircon slash fans on. In the background today, though, in the heat over in uh, Wellington in New Zealand. New Zealand up against Australia with the first test. The Black Caps, as we mentioned earlier, have won one of their past 31 tests against the Aussies going back to November 1993. Uh, Sorry to remind Clarkie, it was actually the test in Hobart in 2011 uh, when New Zealand won by seven runs. Doug Bracewell taking six for... Yep, I uh, and uh, Dave, wicket. Dave Warner carried his bat, actually. Yeah. 123 yep. not out. I, I just had a quick look at the scorecard. Do you know what you got? A duck? Yeah. Did I? Glow. In you both re- innings? Not in both innings. Oh, no, I don't no, think no, they've got a pair. I, I didn't look at your first innings. Yeah. Uh, but Dougie oh, Bracewell. Yeah, of course you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> just any, whatever the lowest score well, I was just curious what happened. Today. How'd they get out? LBW? Oh, I'll come back to you. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, we've, we've, I, I, I briefly remember the test because Davey Warner batted like a genius. Um, it levelled the series one or, and I remember it being in Tassie. It was quite cold and the wicket was quite green, but yeah, that uh, that happens. You know, you win some, you lose some, but hopefully the Aussies can um, can start this series really well. They lost the last test against the West Indies, so. Uh, they'll want to make sure. And, and I think even in regards to the Test Championship, I think the impact on losing that last Test at home is quite mm. significant for Australia. So, yeah, they'll want, to, um, they'll want to make amends in these two Test matches. Let's see what wickets produced. Australia's picked the same, same 11 11th, yep. as they did um, in that last Test against the, the West Indies. So no changes. Three quicks. Nathan Lyon's still in the 11. And then they've got the, the two all-rounders, Cameron Green and Mitchell Marsh. So they've got plenty of bowling. Um, let's see how green this wicket is. Mm. Uh, I, I would imagine this is going to be one of those test matches. Both teams, whoever wins the toss, are going to bowl first. Probably. Uh, New Zealand toying with picking four quicks. They'll either go with Kugelane, I think it's pronounced, or Mitchell Santner. Uh, so either the quick or to make a four quicks Mate. or, or Santner I reckon for spinner. New Zealand, it's a no-brainer. Make them green seamers and, just... and pick four quicks. Mm. Let go of your spinner. Forget spin bowling. If Australia faces a spinner mm. on a wicket over there, I'm telling you now, they're going to make a wide. Well, even if there's no sun, well, they've got the they've it. got the um, young bloke that bats at three or four for New Zealand that bowls, bowls some part time well. left arm also. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, in fact, he bowled more overs in that last Test series that they I can't remember who they they played South Africa. He was basically there. Uh, he, he was bowling like 20-odd overs. Yeah, yeah I'd be going so. four quick. I'd be making the wickets conducive to four quicks if I was New Zealand, if they want to have a chance of beating the Aussies. You got 22 in the first innings. Oh, awesome. In that first innings of that test, guess who top scored? Mm, don't know. Peter Siddle. That's how he <laughs> rolled for 136. Uh, Hobart Greentop back then, pup. Uh, Happens, buddy. It's the game. Well... Adam Pengilly opening the batting. He would have at least got to 30. Morning, Adam. How are you? I would have taken 22, Mido. That would be enough for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking 22. <laughs> All right. Let's talk some racing uh, as these fields are out for Saturday. Great days racing on Saturday with the 
uh, the Very Elegant Stakes, the Chipping Norton, now known as the Very Elegant Stakes. And, uh, of course, we lost the great mare only, what, last week. And mm. Fangirl's drawn the outside gate. Not too concerned about that for her. Opened $1.70, got as short as $1.40, $1.55 when I last check. Nice and short. She is, Mido. She is. And what she did, obviously, last start suggests that she should be short enough. And there's going to be a lot of sentiment around this race and emotion, I'd imagine, given that Chris Waller and James McDonald are combining again um, with Fangirl. And as you said, I'm not worried one little bit about that barrier draw. Like, she needs room to go through her gears. And last start, it almost felt like we were watching Winx, wasn't it? The way she just put them away. She just idled up to them without even being let go and then just put three or four of them, three or four on them really quickly. So... It just to me, you know, it just feels like we're all just building up to the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, aren't we? In, in a few weeks' time, where it's Mr. Brightside and Fangirl clashing, and at this stage, she should just keep going on and winning ways, and and keep picking up Group Ones until she gets there. It's hard to see anything that's really going to trouble her if she runs up to her last start performance. And I can understand why she's probably as short as she is. I was reading online last night, Adam. J Mac is he considering making a move full time to Hong Kong? I think it's going to happen at some stage, Loz, and probably the reason it's getting a little bit of traction this week is that Winfred Engelbrecht Brescius, the Hong Kong Jockey Club chief executive, made some comments in the Hong Kong press in the last week or so saying that he feels like that James, you know, feels like he's at home in Hong Kong and he thinks it's only a matter of time before he makes the, the permanent move there. And we know that James has been doubling a little bit with Hong Kong in, in recent years. He's made a lot of hit-and-run missions to their big Group 1 meetings. He's, he's ridden some of their highest-profile horses, including Romantic Warrior winning the Cox Plate. And I don't know, Loz, I just feel like it's, it's, it's going to happen relatively soon. Like, with his young family, he can go over there and earn probably more money than he earns here in Australia. He probably has to travel less, obviously, and, and, and work less. It almost feels like it's inevitable that it's heading in that direction we know he's going to start his little short-term stint soon and, and whatever else but yeah it'd be a massive coup for hong kong to get him over there and you know that they they love high profile jockeys over there in hong kong and now that joe marrero's off the scene zach Purton's probably towards the, the end of his career to get j-mac over there would be a massive massive coup for them uh, i see the stable hand uh, has been banned over the jamie carr white powder scandal uh that uh, was there on the evening that this event took place. Thank God, Mido. How long has this been dragging oh out gosh. for? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely like, this, ridiculous. This should have been done and dusted within a couple of weeks when it when it first happened, and it dragged on and on and on. And Jamie Carr, which was her right, she she fought the charges, obviously, and was um, got got some sort of result at the VRT. But the stable hand who took the photo and, and was found to have disseminated that photo has now copped a, a, a few months ban, Ruby McIntyre. So... Thankfully, for all concerned, they can put this sad and sorry episode behind them. It just dragged on for way, way too long. And thankfully, it's, it's all done and dusted now. Have you done your top eight yet? Um, I'm sort of working on it. I'm sort of working on it, Mido. Um, yeah, what's, what's the feeling now? I'm, I'm just trying to... I, I don't think there's going to be too much change from last year, to be fair. Uh, I think the, I don't know about the Raiders, was. I hate to say it. I, I'm not sure if they'll, they'll make the top eight again. I, I've actually got a bit of confidence about Parramatta this year, boys. I think Parramatta can make a run at the and, and, and be close to the top four. I know a lot of people are saying that's that's not the case, but I just reckon they had so many things go wrong from last year, and just stupid things like suspensions and you know, with starting off with Ryan Madison at the start of the year, and they lost the first three games, and then obviously the Dylan Brown drama when he missed a stack of games and. There hasn't been a great deal of turnover in that squad, but I reckon they don't need too much more to go right from this year to be a team that can finish in the sort of fourth, fifth, sixth. So they're a team I think will make the top eight this year um, that was outside the eight last year. And 
for me, Mido, the big watch is South Sydney. Oh, for sure. I, if they make the grand final this year, I think I'll turn around and say, yep, that was to be expected. They've got a great squad and fair enough. If they miss the finals, conversely, I can also see that happening. Mm. So I just don't, I don't quite know what to do with South Sydney this year. Yeah, I think we've all got a feeling it's a rocks or diamonds year as far as the bunnies are concerned. Fascinating to see they how they can't start. can't make the eight with the team they have. Can't not make the eight. Can't not make yeah. the eight, sorry. Oh, they will it'd, be, it'd be an absolute smoked. disaster. Mate, and they've just bought Jack Whiten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would be oh. an utter failure. Wow. Utter failure. Yeah. Unless they have 16 injuries. Don't care. Oh. Still. Yeah. <laughs> Their squad is ridiculous. Don't don't underestimate Campbell Graham's injury, boys. That's that's a massive yeah, out for them for him to be out for most yeah, of the year. It's a good call. Yeah. It's just it's just shuffling that back but line again. And, and I know Isaiah what it has done, Adam. At least we now know where Jack's going to fit in. Yeah, like that would have been up. that would have been the conversation if if that injury didn't happen. Where was he going to play? Well, it depends how Ilias started the year, I suppose. Exactly there could right. have always been the chance that Whiten went to 5'8", and Cody Walker went to halfback. But now that Campbell Graham's out long-term, you think that Jack Whiten pretty much has to play centres for, for most of the year. So, I don't know, boys. I think it's going to be a fascinating competition this year. I can really see there being not too much separating the top 11 sort of 12 teams. Um, and I just hope well, there's, a, there's a real fight for the, the, the bottom spots in the top eight in the last few rounds of the year, which I, which I think there will be this year. Yeah. Yeah, it'll come down to four and against. There's no doubt about it. Because you're right. I could make a case for three or four sides that I left out of the top eight, and I could make a case for them to finish top four. And Parramatta mm. is one of them. The Cowboys is another one. I mean, take out last year, their seasons before, well, in particular, 22, were, were, were massive, you know? And, and the Eels have been building nicely. They've got a settled squad. So I can see them playing football this year in, in the finals but the other teams I don't know I just I just that's who I settled on I think the Roosters with their squad that they've assembled they have to play finals I think the Storm will be there or thereabouts I'm always concerned about the Storm just with their middles mm. I think they, they might be you know a, a, a middle short but they've got some good back rowers I, I see they turn Lillero uh, into, a, into a middle um well, if you've got Harry Grant and Jerome Hughes and Pappenhausen and um, Harry Grant in your team in that spine in Munster, you, you know they're, they're going to win your games just having that spine on the field alone. So yeah, it, it'll be a tough season for all sides, and it'll come down to four and against. But you want to win games early because I think it'll be hard if you've got to chase your tail mm. and you start poorly. Thank you, Adam. Have a How great day. Top eight. Let me get my top eight ready tomorrow, Mido. Yes, I'll please. put it on the program tomorrow. So yep. we'll go through um, it then. It's been requested on the text line, so I would love it. Thank you, mate. Okay, fantastic. See you, boys. All right, let's start with let's start with the test this morning, which uh, starts in just over an hour and a half's time across the ditch at Wellington, the Basin Reserve. I guess the Aussies are pretty strong favourites. Well, they're strong, uh, but they're a lot better priced than what they opened at earlier in the week. New Zealand have been a pretty decent move here. Four fifty now into three dollars fifty. Australia a dollar fifty five out to a dollar sixty five and the draw just getting out a little bit, Jared, from five out to five fifty. And of course we've got that other test getting underway later today and it's been a big move for the draw here. India a dollar fifty five, that's out from one forty five. The draw ten dollars into five dollars and England uh, just getting out a little bit to four twenty. But um New Zealand, good move. Draw in the India test, uh, a good good move as well. Big game in the NBA today, Daff. The Lakers taking on the Clippers. 
Yeah, the the local derby heading along. Uh, no, I won't be, mate. It's only a I quick, won't be. quick sprint up the road, but there's been a couple of moves here today, Loz. Uh, the first of those, Toronto, uh, they're at home to Dallas. Toronto, two twenty-five out to two forty. Dallas, one sixty-seven into one sixty. That line, three and a half points. The Bulls at home to Cleveland. Chicago, two fifty out to two eighty. Cleveland, one fifty into one forty-six. That line is five points now. And you mentioned that last game and. Quite clearly, it's the game of the day. Whenever you get these two sides at, at home, um, there's always money for them, let alone when they play each other. And the Clippers have been 152 out to 160. The Lakers, uh, 260 into 240. And that line is now three and a half points in from five. What about in the NBL, Daff? Now the Kings are gone. Yeah, they were favourites to win a pre-season. I haven't even got uh, past uh, week one of the finals. Clarky, and there's been a bit of a change to that market there. Melbourne United were 190 early in the week. They're into 180. Perth are out to $4. The Tassie Jack Jumpers, they were pretty impressive last night. They're at 5 uh, The Hawks at 11 and the Breakers, well, they're hanging in there. They're the $21 outsiders. Uh, the AFL, we've got the community series. I see Melbourne beat Carlton by 38 points last night. Tonight, both the, well, it's the New South Wales and Queensland sides in action, Daff. Don't know too many people who bet on the community series personally, but I know we hold a fair bit of money at TAP. You'd be surprised. Once you can see it, I know they're depleted squads or or all of these teams have got some names in there that we haven't seen before and obviously uh, they're playing around with positions, etc. But we've got plenty of markets open on these as we have had with those uh, NRL matches, but quite clearly nothing like what we would have during the season proper. Uh, They both get underway at the same time tonight at uh, 10 past 7 and they'll both be on Fox 40 on different channels obviously the Giants $1.48 the Gold Coast 2.65 that line 13.5 points and very little separating Sydney and Brisbane and the market hasn't moved all week by the way uh, really in either of these matches and Sydney slight outsiders at $2 Brisbane $1.80 Daft do you expect a, a blitz this weekend on the NRL the opening rounds do you think yes. there'll be a lot of money coming yep I'll tell you one thing that's that's uh, jumped out at me, Loz, is that um, I do a lot of radio in Victoria as well. The level of interest down there, and even from mates, um, that well, obviously they know it's hard to miss it in the media, isn't it? That are saying, you know, what about these two games? Will it be fair dinkum? Does the the travel make any difference? Well, obviously they've all got to travel, but uh, one thing that's um, stood out is, uh, is the talk about the the the, uh, the measurements of the ground etc but once again they all have to play in it but I think that's the beauty of this uh, the media coverage but more importantly the, the four combatants that we've got going over there four high profile sides yeah so um, yeah punters have been chipping away at it and and I think come Sunday it won't really matter where it's being played that they're, they're just into it they just want their footy back yeah obviously head to head is is one of the the best bets that people will have but yeah i'm interested in um total points um because i I, i'm assuming with the narrower field there won't be as many points have the traders factored that in well Well, i'm sure they would have traded that in or are they still big or reasonable well i'll just look at that manly match that's 41 and a half um you know in days gone by 36 and a half was your starting point but you know that's a distant memory now isn't it uh, with with, uh, with the way points are scored, and I'm just having a look at the other game, it's 39 and a half the Roosters and the Broncos. So I'm tipping uh, without knowing the exact um, 
art behind it. They've taken a few points off because that's been all of the talk, hasn't it? Uh, the yeah. narrowness of the ground and the in goal, etc. So what will be interesting to see is uh, how they adapt to that and whether there are still plenty of points on offer because the last three or four seasons, yes, we've seen plenty of points. Just on the head-to-head, no major moves since we spoke yesterday. Manly at $2, bearing in mind a week ago they were two twenty-five. South at $1.80, and this time last week the Roosters were two twenty-five. They were at the two forty two days ago. They remain at two forty. And the Broncos one fifty-eight, a line of three and a half points. So at the moment, uh, Loz, we've got about a hundred and twenty uh, bet types open on both of those games. Come the yeah. weekend, you know, we're probably looking at two fifty-three hundred, which we have in the, in the normal season proper. Yeah, right. We've just done our top eight early this morning. Yeah, um, and obviously there's a lot of teams that we've left out that we believe could make the semi-finals. Premiership market-wise, is it still Penrith on top? Just on that, it's amazing how in in of recent years, and I'm going back eight or ten years in both codes, both NRL and AFL, how many sides actually miss out on making the eight who are odds on or expected to when you know, people do their their uh, tipping before the season gets underway. Probably more so the AFL. Four or five teams are missing out every year. So it'll be interesting to have this conversation in seven or eight months' time and see who did miss. But Penrith, over the last couple of weeks, well, they're the favourites, obviously, but they've been a little drifter. 370 out to four. The Broncos, 450. We did have them 550 prior to uh, or after last year's grand final loss. The Roosters, now the Roosters are nine, but uh, they're really popular. South in the same boat, but South, oddly enough, have got out the last couple of weeks, nine out to 11. Uh, the Storm are 11. The one side that has moved in is the Warriors. Now, they were 21, they were 19 last week. They're into 17, so they've been a sneaky little move. The Cowboys, 19, and we've got uh, Parramatta and Manly at 21. The rest are at 23, or better headed up by Cronulla. So no major change um, since the prices went up after that grand final last year, but it is worth noting the Warriors have got a little bit of love there into $17. Now, Daph, coming up in about 12 minutes' time, we're going to need to speak to Dr. Rachel Gunn, who's set to compete at the Olympics for Australia in breakdancing. Now, you've uh, watched over years and been a price maker yourself. Uh, how do you think uh, you know, price makers are going to go about doing the form and uh, devising markets for the breakdancing <laughs> at the Olympics? Well, I was always given synchronised swimming whenever I had to do um, Olympic pricing. But uh, the the difficulty with this kind of thing, in particular, something that's new is you you know from from a personal point of view, you don't see it very often, so you can't really work the format yourself. But obviously, in this day and age, Jared, there's lots of sites you can go to to find out world champions, how you, how people rate the old Google search or Wikipedia or whatever. So there's ways around it, but I suppose. There'd only be a handful of people in Australia who probably know what the correct market would be on breakdancing, but it's like everything. You suck it and see. You put the prices up. They'll soon let you know if there's an error. Oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) mate. Thank you, and uh, we'll chat soon. See you, boys. FA Cup at the moment, fifth round action. Liverpool and Southampton is scoreless after 37 minutes. Wolves lead Brighton 1-0. At halftime, Nottingham Forest and Manchester United is scoreless. Chelsea and Leeds 2-1. Chelsea leading 48 minutes gone uh, in that match this morning. Last night, the Matildas beat Uzbekistan. Wait for it. 10-0. 10-0 it was there at Marvel Stadium. So they won 13-0 on aggregate. 
uh, in front of 54,120 there. Michelle Heyman came into the starting 11. She scored four goals in the first half. So uh, Ted Lasso pulled out a blinder there. Tony Gustafsson, outstanding <laughs> stuff. Pulled the right rein. Ted Zip. <laughs> I mean, it's a monster. I, honestly, I, I watched the first 10 minutes, pup. Yeah, was Be- I don't know what Uzbekistan were doing. Nah, I don't think they know what they were doing. I think they were on vacay. They were just sort of, they just had sort of bodies around the, mm. you know, the, the, the penalty box. But Well, imagine if we lost 10-0. <laughs> they, uh, anyway, I don't know what they were covering, what they were doing, but it was, it was, um, it was a golf in class. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, we've got the test coming up only in an hour and 20 minutes time. Looking forward to it this morning. The, Australian side there in New Zealand in Wellington and we wait to see what the Kiwis do with their side but we've chosen the same 11 that lost, remember lost to the West Indies shockingly in Brisbane uh, there's a story the Telegraph 2 pup reporting Cricket Australia is considering adding a team to the Big Bash and that Canberra is considered the favourite New Zealand would like to be considered as well although they'd want two, two sides to go into the competition if uh, they were to get aside. They want two. I mean, we only reduced the number of games last year after the broadcasters pushed for it. So why would you put an extra team in? And the reason we put that in is because, you know, the talents become so diluted due to competitions from all over the world that interest was on the wane. Yeah. I, so I, well, I here we t- are. We've consolidated the comp again after, you know, after it went through a you know, period where it was on the decline a little bit. I don't mind another team, but I'm saying don't extend the time frame, which means they, it might be back-to-back games. Um, it might be less games. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how they do. Like, I, like I think uh, if you were to bring a New Zealand team in, for example, I, I, don't, I don't mind that idea. Um, there'd be enough, enough love for it down there in Canberra as well. I, I, I don't mind... I don't mind if there's another team. I don't mind that idea. But like I say, I, I, I don't think the tournament is too long as it is. Mm. And, and, and we've brought it back. And I'm still saying it's probably still too long. So you, you have, if it's, if it's game after game after game, if that's, which is going to be harder on the players, it's because that's the other thing about Australia. You still got to travel. Yeah. You're not playing all the games in Sydney. You know, there's still travel there. So that'll cause issue with, Medical staff saying, no, there's not enough recovery time or the players can't fly after the game or you can't land the day of the game. Like, there's all these rules and regulations. So I don't know how they're going to continue. Or They don't please everyone as it is. So at the end of the day, like all this stuff, if whoever's got the TV rights at the time, if they want another team, they'll get another team. If they want it to go longer, it'll go longer. If they want it to go, the TV rights dictate just about what happens in all sports. Especially in cricket at the moment, though. Expansion. Yeah. Careful what you wish for. Well, well. look how packed the calendar yeah, is. Look how much irrelevant cricket we more. have. I agree with that. Seriously. I think we're, yeah, I, I think, I know money is important. We've all got bills, I get it. But sometimes less is more. Big sports breakfast history about to be made because uh, breakdancing is on the show, I dare say, for the first time. I can't confirm over the last 20-odd years of the program being bought. In fact, Jono's just given us a thumbs up. So it is great to see, you know, something different added to the Olympics roster. And uh, about to join us, she's known as Ray Gun. She's our top-ranked female breaker. She's also a university lecturer who has a PhD in cultural studies. 
And she'll be there in Paris in a few months' time, Dr. Rachel Gunn, Australian breakdancer. Rachel, a very good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thanks. How are you all? Really well, thank you, and appreciate your time. You, of course, won that Oceania qualifying event in October to set you on the course for Paris. So how are you handling the build-up, knowing that you are set to be an Olympian? I know. It's unreal. Look, I'm really appreciating the time that I have for this build-up. You know, qualifying back in October, that's a huge lead-in time. So I've been taking this opportunity to really build and focus on stuff that I don't usually have time to focus on so that I can really be my best at Paris. Uh, Rach, how does this work? So in regards to qualifying... What is your routine versus when you get to Paris? Is it a completely different routine? Well, there's no routine at all, actually. Um, I've got, you know, a number of lots of moves and little combos, but how they come out, yeah. the set order in what battle they come out is is not, um, you know, I don't have an idea beforehand. I've got to kind of decide oh in the battle that I'm in. Yeah, because if I think about, you know, doing... You know, in my in my second battle, I'm going to do my head spin, yeah. but the, my opponent, that's their specialty, ah. then I'm going to lose that battle. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. So you've got to have some flexibility and some strategy Off the cuff. Um, on the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. <laughs> so, Rachel, how did you get involved? Did you just like break dancing and then someone said, hey, you can compete in these games, which will be a part of the Olympics in, in Paris, and then you started mm-hmm. to really focus – in on the sport? Was it the yeah. love of break dancing? So how does it all, all come about? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've been breaking for about 12 years now. And obviously when I started, the Olympics was not on the cards at all. It kind of came out of the blue in back in 2016. They were first talking about it because it was in the Olympic ga- uh, the Youth Olympic Games in, the, in 2018. And so we still weren't sure what was going to happen. But, yeah, once it was confirmed, I think back in 2020, I was like, all right. You know, <laughs> let's let's go for this. Let's let's go hard. I think this, Rachel, is probably a very simple, but I think important question. How does the choice of the song work? Well, that's up to the DJ. Uh, okay, right. So you <laughs> yeah. very much are at the mercy of whatever they put on. Totally at ah. the mercy of what they put on. I mean, look, there's there's the same kinds of songs, you know, that are played across the the international uh, breaking circuit. I mean, sometimes you do get surprised, but the skill is in making what you have work to that song and also pretending it is the dopest song you've ever heard, (laughs) even though you might be dying inside. (laughs) Well, I reckon, Rachel, we've all got a bit of break dance in us when we've had a few. And is the worm, is that part of a a break dance? I'm not so sure you can call that break dancing at all, Loz. <laughs> hey, tapping your foot on the floor and clicking your fingers at the same time, oh. mate. That ain't break dancing. So, yeah, so, so can no. you can you do the worm or the worm is not, not a break dance? <laughs> the worm is a move. You don't see the worm very often these days, and it's one of many moves. And look, if you did the just the worm in a battle, you would not you would not go far. So you know you you've got to show a range of movement, a range of specialties. And, yeah. and musicality, and, you know, it's a lot more complicated and, and difficult than people realise. Rach, where are you training? Where are you practising? And I'd imagine this is, this is one of those sports that's just continuing to grow in Australia. It is. That's what's so exciting. So 
Um, I, my main practice spot, actually, which has been my main practice spot for the last 10 years, is um, outside the Downing Centre Courts on Liverpool Street in the city. <laughs> but that's, as you I think do. that's as you do. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that's also really cool about breaking it. It's this Olympic sport, but you've still got that accessibility to, you know, people that maybe can't afford to, to pay gym hire or, you know, anything anything like that. But in addition to that, I'm also, you know, of course, got strength and conditioning at N-Swiss and I, and I go in there a few times a week. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty busy schedule. And being a doctor, have you ever had to treat yourself with injuries? <laughs> Not a medical doctor, so I don't think I'd, no. do, I'd go very far. <laughs> I can analyse the, the cultural problem of what I'm facing, but not much more right. than that. <laughs> Because I was, I was about to say, your, your training partners, if you were, they'd be coming to you with all sorts of things. Yeah, they can try. <laughs> I think I'd be very helpful. <laughs> Rachel, what do you feel the overall reaction has been to your event being added to Paris? Because no doubt there's been some controversy in this regard. Yeah, for sure. Look, it's really interesting, the different reactions around the world. Like, I think in South Korea, when it was announced, they was like, cool, how many medals can we get? <laughs> and then in Australia, it's been that's not an Olympic sport. Mm. Next they'll put in marbles, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's been a, it's been a pretty like negative reaction. The Olympics is a joke now, you know, what's um, just kind of complete disregard for breaking. But a lot of people that haven't seen what breaking has developed into, they're thinking back to what it was in the eighties, what they did on the street corner with some cardboard or something. They think it's the same as that, but it's not. It's mm. so much harder and so much more complex um, and impressive than, you know, what, it's 40 years ago. Mm. And do you know the, the people you're, you're coming up against? And have you been practising a special move that you'll just unleash at the Olympics? working towards it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Uh, no there's a few to look out for to be honest there's there's um a bigger from china of course who is um phenomenal she can do some really amazing um like acrobatic style moves um but you know her her style and her creativity is is not what i have so i'm going to try and play to my strengths uh, in some of these battles yeah Tell us what your goal is. What are you hoping to achieve there in oh, Paris? Aiming for the stars, of course. <laughs> Going for gold, but also just representing. Like, yeah. honestly, representing, wanting to put Australia on the map and, and, and do Aussies proud. The family heading and over. How many are in the team? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, just me and Attack so far have qualified, but there's an opportunity for more Aussies to qualify. There's the Olympic Qualifier Series in Shanghai and Budapest. We've got six Aussies competing. Um, so, you know, there's a chance for one more um, B-girl and one more B-boy to qualify. Um, and, yes, my family's going over. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, can't wait to see it unfold. And that's the great thing about the Olympics, particularly I know we're in lockdown uh, during Tokyo, but you you do watch for us, I guess, mainstream sport observers, you do get caught watching stuff uh, you never usually watch and and can't wait to see you compete in the break dancing and and go well, Rachel. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate the support. And look, we do need all the support we can get. We are such a new sport and we've been largely underground in Australia. So if there's 
anyone that want to get on board, please do contact Ausbreaking. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Big autumn coming up, as always, for Newcastle trainer Chris Lees, who's given us some of his time this morning. Chris, good morning, mate. How are you? Very well, thanks, Jared. If the Knights get to Vegas next year, could you sneak <laughs> over for a few days, Chris? Oh, I'll, I'll say I will, but I don't know if my wife's listening. So <laughs> might have to book, can you book it for me? <laughs> Someone would have to keep Joey under control, wouldn't oh, they? Can you imagine <laughs> Joey? He won't be there, I promise you. Yeah. My God. <laughs> um, okay, let's start with the quitted, actually, returning in the Liverpool City Cup. Chris finished last prep very strongly there in Queensland. Is the goal to sneak him into the Doncaster? Yeah, that would be a, an ideal scenario, whether he's up to that grade. He had yeah. a really good summer in Queensland, obviously inferior grade up there, but he, he looked really well when he... The key to him, he, he loves to get his toe on the ground, just um, just whether that track dries out too much for him on Saturday. We'll see, but um, he seems to be coming up really well. He's had a couple of... Had a nice trial last week and looks in really good order. You've also got kind words second up in the surround, the Group 1. How much improvement are you expecting from her? Oh, look, she's, she looks outgraded there, but it's just a matter of getting the runs under a belt before she gets to a mile and beyond. That's when I think we'll see her at her best. These fillies look a bit sharp for her, but um, there's not a lot of other options for her at the moment. But um, we'll probably have to take our medicine again Saturday. But once she gets um, a mile and beyond, I think we'll see her at her best. Aprilia is set to run over 1,200. Uh, nice filly that's a new addition to your stable, Chris. She is. Nice filly. Again, she's a little similar to Kind Words. She probably looks outgraded there, but she's just a little tricky to place at the moment. She's got a high rating for a filly. It's only one, one race, but she stakes place. But um, she needs to get a preparation underway, and it's probably the right race with no weight on her back. She's not a big filly, so looking forward to see how she reacts Saturday. Chris, a few runners at Eagle Farm Saturday as well. Who do you like, buddy? Yeah, I think um, Oakville Wallaby will run well. She's um, She's got a good little record. She's arrived up there a week or so ago and let her settle in and um, with a few weeks between runs I think she'll react well Saturday Who are some of your horses we should be looking out for in the Autumn Carnival Chris? Um, got some nice horses there Laurie whether we've got any top liners but I'm looking forward to Tabby time re- resuming on Saturday in the Provincial Championship here at Newcastle Loz um, I think mm. he's, uh, he's a worthwhile horse he's already got a ticket into the big dance later in the year but um, I think he'll make his presence felt somewhere over the next um, couple of months Okay, we'll keep an eye. Tavi time for our listeners. Reminder, it's set to run at Newcastle in that provincial midway qualifier this Saturday. Uh, what did you make of Calipore in the Parramatta Cup, Chris? As I guess he charts a Sydney Cup path. Yeah, look, he probably looked disappointing on face value. He made a lot of ground up between the half mile and about the about the 300 metres and then just levelled out. Um, whether we go down that two-mile path remains to be seen, but um, he'll go to the sky high in a couple of weeks, but... Um, he was okay. He's come through the run well. Uh, the other horse was good, Almania. He'll mm. he'll um, run in the Randwick Stakes Saturday week, and um, he could be a lightweight chance for a Sydney Cup. Rustic Steel trialled well. Uh, when will we see him, Chris? He did. We're just going to decide. Um, he'll have a gallop early next week and decide whether he resumes tomorrow week here in the Newcastle Stakes with a few horses aiming that way, and Lock Eagle resuming, and possibly Kinlock, and you called it. So um, it's always been a... a a good race uh, for us here on our home track, and he could line up there. Uh, okay, yeah, we just had a question. Can you ask Chris about Kinlock and Rogue Bear? Is another one Marty from Newey? Yeah, Rogue Bear's only just come back into work, so okay. um, he'll be set for the winter. And can you ask Chris? Is it Cacophonix? I always find this difficult to pronounce. Cacophonix, uh, yeah, yep, 
Heading he's another. He'll, he'll go into the provincial championship. Hurts um, probably start off either probably at Gosford in a fortnight's time. Okay, brilliant. Okay, lots to keep an eye on then, Chris. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Chris Lee's there. So he gave Clark, he asked him about his runners at Eagle Farm, and he said of those, Oakfield Wallaby, uh, which is Eagle Farm at race four, number six. Andrew Mallion in the saddle, soft draw, $5.50 on the second line of betting, race four, number six. And I'm guessing those uh, provincial qualifier markets will be out uh, dare say tomorrow, possibly, yeah, probably tomorrow, maybe even this afternoon, sorry, uh, for Saturday for the Provincial Midway Qualifier. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on Tavi time, of course. Tavi time uh, was pretty good last preparation. And uh, Rustic Steel is another one to watch coming back as well. But uh, yeah, Tavi time, of course, won the Mudgy Cup. That's right, at the end of last preparation and had a trial at Wyong uh, just last month and set to run on Saturday in that Provincial Midway Championships qualifier. Okay. Uh, I love the chat with Dr. Rachel. I had no intention of watching breakdancing at the Olympics, but she has me curious now. Great ambassador for breakdancing. I wish her every success, says Mona Vale Max. Got to watch it. Setting that one through. For sure. Rachel's awesome. Just... how do you? As if we're not going to watch. If you're flicking during no, the Olympics, you, you you're going to watch sure. it for a few minutes. You're going to go, "What? Yeah. What's going on here?" Because we never watch it. How, I, I want to know how did like how's a kid get involved now? How's a youngster? What What are they watching in Australia? Like I, I get international. You're watching, you know, like you've got. Yeah, it used to be rage. So once upon much time, con- wasn't Yeah, it? it's exactly right. So much content <laughs> overseas, but you'd like to think you'd want youngsters to get involved. Like and, and well, maybe that's what the Olympics for as well, just to continue to build that interest all around the world. And right. then you've got, you know, I want Kelsey Lee. I can see her rocking the dance floor, break dancing. There's, there's Get this, on there. There's this game I, I watched on and I only watched it for a couple of minutes on the TV over here. So it's like on a table tennis table, yeah, and it's with a like a soccer ball, and it's you head it, you, uh, you can knee it, obviously. And you you kick it with your you, with your legs and yeah. you keep it up and then you try and get the point yep. slap it over either with a head head bar or a kick down with the with the ball. Yeah. Well, that's broadcast over here on television. I've never seen this oh, sport. Mate, I don't even break dancing would be massive over there. Definitely. So it would be big over there. Yeah. Yeah. 